It's good to see you today and uh, just want to say hello to everybody everywhere, all the different places who are part of the service. Um, It's good to be together through technology and uh, excited today in our physical location in South Louisville. uh, Our kids uh, is back in action, all of our kids ministries, well not all of them, but a lot of them are. And uh, figuring out how to do that safely. And so it's good to see some faces who have been waiting on the kids element to be back. And you're here and we're excited to see you. Um, And so, yeah, just hate everybody who's a part of the service. My name is Jason. Uh, I'm the pastor here at the church. And we are taking several weeks. We've been taking several weeks to talk about this series of messages that we're calling Truish. And... What we have been doing is trying to identify beliefs that we have that are dangerous. And the reason that they're dangerous is because they're so incredibly common. And we didn't just one day decide to start believing things that were untrue. We didn't just decide to start believing dangerous isms or, or, or theologies or isms. Uh, we absorbed them. We picked them up. For a lot of us, they were handed down to us, and, uh, and we just kind of picked them up. But they are incredibly dangerous because they're so common. And, and the danger of them is that wrong beliefs pull us away from our faith in, in Jesus Christ. And that once you start building your life on wrong beliefs, you, you, you start changing truths that God has given to you and to us and that the church has accepted and taught for thousands of years. And what begins to happen is that your life doesn't get better. That's why we kind of adopt these ideas. We think it will make things better. But what we are learning and what we have experienced in our own life is that as you get away from Jesus and what Jesus said and what Jesus did and what the church has taught and accepted, as life doesn't get better, it gets more un- unstable. And, uh, and so we've been, we've been looking at that. And we're four weeks into the series, and, and some of you are telling me that you're starting to get a little bothered by the messages, which is fantastic. I love it. I love that you are. Um, that's a good thing. Honestly, it's a good thing. It's like going to the doctor and being informed that you're sick. That's bad news. You don't like finding out that you're sick, but the good news is that now you know you're sick, and, and the even better news is we have the cure. We want to build our life on Jesus. We want to build our life on the truth from God's word and from the collective wisdom of the church. Now, if you're a parent uh, or or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, you you know what I'm about to tell you is true. If you've experienced this, is that when your child or your relative or whoever's with you gets a splinter and they come to you and they say, Dad, Mom, Grandma, I've I've got a splinter I need you to get it out. You say, absolutely, that's no problem. We can get that out. Okay, and then you go to get it out, and they fight you, and they resist you, and they scream, and they say, no, leave it alone. I'll just leave it in there. And you say, what? If we leave it in there, it's probably going to get infected, or it's going to hurt. If you'll just let me get it, it's going to hurt. I ain't going to lie to you. It's going to hurt for like a half a second. But if you'll let me get it out, it will feel so much better. Well, here's what I believe. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for me and you. If you'll just let me get in there, it it will hurt for just a little bit. I ain't gonna lie to you. It's gonna be a little bit painful, but if you'll let me get in there, uh, I I want to help you. I want to get, I want to get it out. And so that's been my prayer throughout this series. The truth will become clear to us, but that the lies that we believe will become clear too, because our big idea is that the biggest threat to our faith is not bad behavior, it's bad beliefs. 
That's not what religion says. That's not what culture says. Maybe that's not what a Christian relative or friend has told you, but that's what the Bible teaches us is that the biggest threat to our faith is not bad behavior. It's bad beliefs. And so we're praying that the truth will set us free and, and we, want to, we want to embrace that truth of God. So I want to pray for us and we're going to jump into today's message and we'll, we'll get to this fourth truish belief. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit in moments like this will come into our hearts and will pull out the things that are infecting us, pull out the things that are hurting us. And so, God, I I pray that over this next 30 minutes or so that the Holy Spirit would do just that, that your word would become alive to us. It would be planted deep into our hearts and it would begin to grow something in our lives that we could not have grown or done or changed on our own, only through the power of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, well today in part four, we're going to talk about this truish idea. Here's the idea that good is better than true. Good is better than than true. This is called moralism. First week we talked about relativism, that the idea that you don't get to decide what's right for me, I don't get to decide, truth is relative, that's relativism. Second week we talked about emotionalism, uh, the, the idea that your heart will tell you the truth. Last week we talked about mysticism, that the truth will speak to you. So we've been looking at these isms, those are the fancy names for things that we believe that we didn't know what they were called. And then this week we're, we're talking about moralism. Now let me give you the technical definition of moralism Moralism is a strong belief that moral, usually traditional behavior should, should be shared by everybody, that we should all embrace a, a moral, and usually the people who are, are moralists believe that, that, that it's usually a traditional behavior that should be shared by, by all. Now, practically speaking, it, it's really just this belief that good is better than true, it's this idea that, that being good is the most important thing that a person can be. And when I say that, I think a lot of us would go, yeah, I think I believe that. I, would, I think I believe that good is the most important thing that a person could be. And it comes out in statements like this. Maybe you've been looking for someone to date or to marry, and you've said this before. Well, they're not a Christian, but they are like such a good person. Right? Or maybe you've said, you know, they're not a Christian, but they're nicer than most Christians I know. Or maybe as a parent, you've said something in this form. You've said, you know, I do want my kids to go to church. I mean, I do want my kids to be Christians, but more than anything else, I just want them to be good people. I want them to be good people. Or maybe you've said this it's not fair that good people don't go to heaven. Have you ever thought this? Have you ever. Have you ever said this or, or maybe gotten conversations about this? I think all of us at one time or another have kind of wrestled with these ideas. So let's talk a little bit about why this sounds so good. Why do we want this to be true? Because if we're being honest, we kind of do want this to be true. We want goodness to be the, the most authoritative thing in, in the world. So why do we want this to be true? Well, who doesn't want to live in a world where everyone is good, 
And if this is true, then it's so much easier than religion, right? I mean, that's really simple, Jason. Good people in, bad people out. Why can't we just adopt that? Let's let all the good people be in and let's let all the bad people be be out. At, at At a level, this feels fair, right? Let's let everyone's life be decided based on their merits. It's, it's everybody starts at the same place. Everybody, you know, gets the same chances. Everybody starts at zero and, and their life is based on their merits. My life is based on my merits. And if they're good, they should go to heaven. And if I'm good, I should go to heaven. But if they're bad, then they should go to hell. What about this? This is another reason we like this and we feel like it should be true is because we feel like this is what God wants. Isn't this what God wants? I mean, God wants us to be good, right? God doesn't want us to be bad. God wants us to be good. So why, why isn't good the most important thing? At its core, this feels logical and fair. And honestly, it feels possible. It feels possible. Let's, let's identify the good people and let's identify the bad people. But there's another reason that this sounds so good, whether you realize it or not. It, it sounds good to us because we believe that it gets us in. I mean, if good people go to heaven, I'm a good person. And so I get to, to go. A few years ago, Time Magazine did, a, did a, a little study, a survey, and they, they asked, do you believe that heaven is a real place that people go to after they die? 87% of people, not just Christians, just population at large, 87% of people said, yes, they believe that there is a heaven that, that people will go to after uh, their life. And then the, the survey asked, do you believe you'll go to heaven? And of the 87% who said, yes, I believe in heaven, a hundred percent said, yes, I believe there's a heaven and I'm going. It makes sense. I mean, if, if, if you believe there's one, you believe you're going there too. It just feels inclusive. It feels right. I mean, be honest. Don't, don't we kind of think that all religions in essence kind of do the same thing? I mean, yeah, we like Christianity. That's the brand of religion that we've chosen. Maybe that's what our family kind of handed to us. But, you know, all religions kind of have a common denominator that connects them together. You know, we worship different things. Maybe we read different books. Maybe we have different religions. But, you know, it all kind of leads us to the same place. The most important place is that it helps us be a good person. Man, Islam, Buddha, universalism, Scientology, as long, whatever you choose, as long as it helps you to be good, that's kind of what we're all trying to get to anyway, because good is better than true. If any of those things that I've said kind of resonate with you, you're not the odd man out. You're very normal. These, this, this is something that we have absorbed and picked up, but that's not what Christians believe. This is not a Christian belief. So let's talk a little bit about why this is not true. If you, if you spend more than 60 seconds thinking about this idea, you, you quickly come to a really big problem. It's the same problem we run into every week. Who gets to decide who's good and who's bad? 
Who gets to decide? I mean, this is another one of those beliefs that feels good, but it's too good to be true. Because if good people are in and bad people are out, who gets to decide who's good? You say, well, God gets to decide. Well, God actually already gave us a way that, that, that we use, and we'll talk about that. So it wouldn't really be right to say that God would be the judge because God has already given us the, the, the standards that we would use. So if it's not God, who is it? We've already talked about the fact that it can't be you, can't be me, can't be your heart, can't be the universe. So who gets to decide who's good and who's bad? And if we're, since we're there, we might as well ask this question, what is even good? What is bad? Right? And this goes back to that problem of relativism. Who gets to decide? And if we're defining good, how good is good enough, by the way? What's good enough? Now, I'm not asking you to say anything out loud, but here's what I want us to do. I'm going to give you a few names, and I want you to think to yourself, are they good or are they bad? Now, don't say anything out loud because, you know, we don't want to, you know, get crazy in here. But I'm going to give you a couple names, and I I want you to think to yourself, are they they a good person? Are they good people or are they bad? You ready? Let's do this. I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's start with Mother Teresa. In your mind, just go ahead and think about it. Mother Teresa, good or bad? Now, if you said good, why? Why is Mother Teresa good? He said, well, she helped people. Why is helping people good? If you say bad, bad, why? Why would Mother Teresa be be bad? That one maybe is a little too easy. Let's move on to the next one. Let me give you another name. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Good or bad? Now you know why I didn't want you to say anything out loud. See, I have friends, Christian friends, who swear he's good. Who, who, who swear he, he's not only good, he's like God good. And then I have other friends who love Jesus who swear he's bad. Like evil bad. Well, which is it? Which, which, which is it? And why? Based, you have an opinion, but like why? What about people who riot and protest? That's, that's another group. Good people or bad people? See, I have, friends, I have friends who love Jesus who say, good, fighting for causes that matter, need to be heard, good people. And then I have friends who love Jesus who say, bad people, terrible people. Hey, what about police officers? Good or bad? See, I have friends who love Jesus who say, good people. We need to support them. We need to have their back. And then I have friends who love Jesus who would say, I'm not so sure anymore. Good or bad? And and based on whatever you thought in your head, why? Why are they good? Why do you think that they're bad? You you see my point? And we could keep going. and, and, And the problem that we would keep having is unless we have a standard for right and wrong to live our life by, there is no way to define good or bad. And all of us want to know if we're doing good or doing bad. I mean, there's still that like four-year-old in us somewhere in there who are like, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, watch, watch, watch. Anybody got a kid who like whatever you're doing a thousand times a day is like, watch, 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 watch. 
Did I do good? Did you see it? At some level, we want to know, are we doing good or are we doing bad? And, and moralism, at first glance, kind of gives us this hope that, like, this is what we need. Because if we could all adopt this idea, then we would know good and bad, and that could be the standard. But moralism doesn't give us the answer that we think it will. See, moralism actually leaves us more lost because moralism says being good is most important, but moralism doesn't tell you what is actually good. And it doesn't actually help us define who is good. Moralism is like you showing up to run a race and you get to the starting line and they say, okay, when we, when we shoot the gun, go. And you say, well, where am I running to? And they say, well, we can't tell you. Well, how long do I run? Well, you decide. Well, how do I know if I win? Well, you just have to figure it out. It's like being in a college class and the, and the professor says, there's going to be one exam at the end of the semester that will decide your grade. And you say, great, what's going to be on the test? He says, I can't tell you. Well, how do I know how to prepare? Well, you're just going to have to figure it out. It, it, it's like going to a job review and they say, hey, in six months, we're going to review your job to see if you get to keep it. And you say, okay, well, what am I going to be reviewed on? And they say, well, you'll just have to figure it out. We can't tell you. We don't really know, honestly. We'll just know that we know. This is, this is, this is moralism. And specifically when it comes to the afterlife, if we were being honest, and, I, and this, this, <laughs> this series is kind of forcing us all to be honest with ourselves, but specifically when it comes to the afterlife, not just truth and lies, not just how we live our life, but specifically when it comes to the afterlife, could we just all admit that we kind of just make stuff up to make us feel better? Like we've got all these different variations, like everybody goes to a better place or every religion has their own heaven or, well, there's purgatory, but they can get them out or, or any other variation of belief that we have. And the way that we arrived at that belief is one day we just kind of pick that one. That's what happens after we die. And then we hold on to that belief so tightly. Or maybe we heard someone else say one day, you know what? It, it wouldn't be right if good people were in hell. And we said, you know what? That sounds right to me. And we just picked that one up. And we adopted that one. And we held to it tightly. And what we didn't do in that moment when we picked up whatever it is that we picked up is we did not take the time to look at it, peel it back, unpack it a little bit. We just accepted it. And we did not realize that any other belief system about the afterlife besides Christianity is actually a bigger problem than Christianity's belief about heaven. See, all the other beliefs that are out there, they feel fair, and so we just pick them up and accept them. But what we're going to see in just a moment is that it's actually a bigger problem, and it's actually more unfair than Christianity's belief about the afterlife. And what's scary is that for so many of us, we're hinging our whole eternity on something that we kind of just made up. Or somebody said at a funeral, and we said, that sounds good to me. I'll, I'll take that one. And that's a problem. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking, because I, I, you're like me, and you know, you know, when you listen to somebody else speak, you know, you're kind of trying to poke holes through it a little bit. And so you're thinking, well, wait a second, Christians just made theirs up. No, we didn't. 
Now, you may not believe the Bible, and you don't have to believe what I believe, but Christians did not make theirs up. Christians' belief of the afterlife is based on the words of Jesus, who we believe is our Messiah, who was credible and credentialed and verified historically by people who don't even aren't Christians. It it was believed by Christians for thousands of years, and it is written on uh, uh, documents that have been found and preserved for thousands of years. There are more documented uh, versions of the scrolls and of the Bible than there are of any famous piece of literature that we hold as 100% true. And so you may not believe it, but we didn't make it up. It's based on something. It's based on a belief, and it's based on a document, and it's based on a person and a savior and a tradition and a history. And so not being able to define good and bad is a problem. I hope we can all agree on that, but there's a bigger problem for Christians. Now, I'm spending a lot of time on the problem. I will get to the answer, I promise. But for Christians, this, there's a much bigger problem than not knowing what is good and what is bad. The bigger problem is that for Christians, this whole idea goes against the foundational message of, of Jesus that we need a Savior. See, moralism creates a self-salvation And if good is better than true and and good and bad can be defined, then that means that you could be good, which means you don't need a savior, which is the whole message of Christianity. This is why it's so dangerous, because if moral behavior is more authoritative than truth, then all your faith has to be in yourself. No pressure. I mean, if good is better than true and it's possible to be good enough to get in, I guess the good news is you could be good, but the bad news is don't screw it up. It's all on you. And of all the truest beliefs we've talked about up to this point, this belief that good is better than true is probably the most dangerous because it feels the most rewarding. Be, be honest with, with yourself. It, it, feels, it feels good to feel like a good parent. It does. It, it feels good to feel like you raised good kids. It feels good to feel like you're good with money. It feels good to, to be good to people because we know a lot of other people who aren't. And once we achieve some level of goodness, we start believing that we're qualified for something with God. And we never say it out loud, and we don't even really know how to articulate it to ourselves. But, but somewhere inside of us, we do believe that we're going to stand before God after we die, however it works, which this is not exactly how the Bible says it works. But whatever at the heaven entrance gate, okay? We, we think that somehow in some way we're going to stand, stand in front of God, and God's going to say, of course you get in. You're a great mom. Of course, do you know how many bad moms there were out there? And you weren't one, so you go ahead and get in there. Of course you get in. You didn't give your kid an iPhone when everybody else's kid got an iPhone. Because you're a good parent. Now you get in there. Of course you get in. You lived in great neighborhoods with great schools. You gave your kid every opportunity. Of course you get in. 
Of course you get in. You weren't in debt. You paid all that stuff off, man. Of course you get in. When everybody else was lying to their boss about being sick so they didn't have to go in, you never did it. You retired with more sick days than you needed. That's the kind of people I'm looking for. You go ahead and get in there. Now, I'm being a little bit silly, but isn't that something that we kind of think in our hearts? Like, that guy gets in, he lies about being sick all the time. I never lie about being sick. We're on the same team, no chance. Have you met their kid? Do you see what they let their kids wear? No way we're on the same team. Do you see what they post? Do you see how they make their money? Do you hear how they talk? I don't talk that way. No way we're on the same team. That's how moralism gets in and begins to make us believe that good is better than true. And if it's true that good is better than true, and we believe that we're good, we get to go to heaven and we get the satisfaction of knowing that we were good enough while we were alive to make it. And that's rewarding. We did it. We did it. We got ourselves in. But this idea goes directly against the whole message of Jesus. The whole thing. Not just a little part of the thing. The whole thing. Jesus showed up and taught something that no other religion and no other religious leader has ever taught before. And you may not know this, what I'm about to tell you. And maybe you're like, you know, I kind of, there's other, I like other religions out there. And I got friends who are other religions. And, you know, Christianity is just so kind of closed-minded and exclusive and old-fashioned and you, you haven't read Jesus because Jesus showed up and said something that no other religion, no other religious leader has ever said at then, up to then, and has never said up in, until now. It, Jesus is the only one who ever said this. Jesus showed up and he didn't say good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Jesus showed up and said bad people go to heaven and good people don't. No other religious leader had ever said this. No other religion built their faith on that. No one's ever said that since. Jesus showed up and said, bad people go to heaven. And good people don't. And as you might expect, this really ticked off the good people. The good people killed him for it. Jesus didn't teach that good is more important than true. Jesus taught that good is impossible. And we say this phrase a lot around here. The phrase is, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. Maybe you've heard us say that. This is foundational to the Christian faith. And there's lots of different places in the Bible that we could, we could pick. But one example would just be Romans 3. In Romans 3.10, Paul's writing to, to trying to explain the Christian faith. And he says, no one is righteous, not even one. That, that's just one example where Paul said this. The Bible teaches that we're bad. We are wicked. Did you know that's how the Bible describes you? Wicked. Now, it doesn't mean that we're wicked because we tell a lie or we hurt someone or we steal money. It it means that the reason we tell lies, hurt people, and steal money is because we're wicked. I hope you can see the difference. The Bible teaches that we are corrupted by the power of sin. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. I get to have this conversation with a lot of people. You're thinking, I'm not that bad. You're thinking, thinking, wait a minute, I I obey the Bible. I, I, I am not wicked. I do good things. How could God say, I'm not 
good. I'm, I, I'm at least better than other people that I know. I mean, I know wicked people. I'm not wicked people. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you're good? How much would you bet on your goodness? Because you know you. Now, I only know the public version of you. But you know you. You know you all the way. You know what you think. You know what you say when no one can hear you. You know what you do when no one can see you. You know what you want to happen to other people. You know how you feel. How much would you bet on your goodness? Like if we were ranking them. This is not, God's not going to do this. This is good news for you. There's no ranking of the goodness. But let's just say there was a ranking of the goodness. Where do you think you rank? You top, you top 90 percentile? How good are you? You say, I'm good. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm not asking, are you better than someone else? I'm asking, do you believe that you are good? And regardless of whatever conclusion you come to, the Bible gives us the answer Not good enough. Not good enough. And this is one of the things that separates Christianity from every other religion. I don't know if you knew that or not, but other religions say, follow our ways and you'll be good. You'll get better. You'll eventually accomplish. Culture says, you're enough. You're good. You can get it together. But Jesus showed up and says, you don't have what it takes, but I do. You can't get it together, but I can. You're not that good, but I am. And if you believe in me, you get to take credit for my work. Now, that may not be what you've heard. Maybe you thought that the point of coming to church or being a Christian was to be better or to be good. No, no, no. That's not the point of being a Christian. The point of being a Christian is to be saved because you need to be saved. See, the message of Christianity is that you're sick and you don't have the money to pay for your treatment. You're drowning and you don't know how to swim. You're evil and you can't overcome the power of sin. And when you are drowning and don't know how to swim, Buddha throws you a book. Muhammad throws you a book. Culture sells you a membership. Jesus jumps in the water. He pulls you out and he sacrifices his life so that you don't. To be a Christian means that you believe you need a savior because good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. People who know they can't swim. You know, I get asked all the time, like, who, who do you think is going to be in heaven? You think anybody, you know, that description, like, you think so-and-so would be in heaven? Or, like, like who? the only common denominator that I know of every person who's in heaven is that they believed They needed Jesus to get there. And this is the way that Paul described it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Paul said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. 
For God's way of making us right with himself depends on morality. No, it's not what he said. Depends on how you vote. No, it's not what he said. Depends on your church attendance. No, it's not what he said. Depends on whether or not you support, you know, certain organizations. That's not what he said. Paul, who spent his whole life being like the goodest good, said, I finally realized something when I met Jesus that I can't obey enough to be considered good. But the way that God makes me good depends 100% on faith. And this is amazing news. Only Christians go to heaven is much better news than good people go to heaven. Because if only good people go to heaven, me and you ain't going. You don't want that to be true. But if the way to heaven is faith in Jesus, that means that everyone is welcome. That means everyone gets in the same way. And that means that everyone can meet the requirement. Jesus. It doesn't get more fair than Christianity. Everyone is welcome. Everyone gets in the same way. And everyone can meet the requirement. There's no other belief, idea, theology, religion that's more fair than that. And see, some of you are listening to me right now and you're drowning in a pool. And there's all kinds of reasons that you won't ask for someone to come and save you. There's all kinds of different reasons. Your pride, your belief system, you met people who saved people before, who had been saved before, and they were mean. And so you're like, I don't want to become a mean, saved person. And so I don't want to, I don't want anybody to save me. But there's only one way when you're drowning to not die. And it's to confess that you are drowning and you need a savior. And so I want to end today by reading a story from Luke that so perfectly sums up why Christianity is better than goodness. Why Christianity is more fair than goodness. Luke chapter 23. I'm going to start at verse 32 and read about 12 verses. This is what it says. It says, two, two others... Both criminals were led out to be executed with him, talking about Jesus. And when they came to a place called the Skull or Calvary, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. These are the good people, by the way. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. If he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers mocked him too by offering a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of Jews. They're mocking him and sarcastically celebrating him. 
And verse 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffs, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us while you're at it. Verse 40, but the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? Look at what he said. We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And in verse 42, Jesus said, or he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This can't count. This counts? Do you know how hard I try not to curse and this guy just gets in? I mean, I tithe. I forgive people who hurt me. I mean, I'm trying my best to do this thing. And this guy gets in last second, sneaks in right under the bar. Got to do whatever he wanted. Got to live however he wanted. Got to treat people wrong. He was such a bad criminal. They had to kill him. And he gets in. Yeah, he gets in. And you get in too. And anybody who believes that Jesus never did anything wrong, but they deserve to be punished for their crimes, gets in too. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets to use the same standards. And everybody can meet the requirement. The best news that I could tell you today is that if you believe in Jesus is that the Savior that you need, when your life is over, you will only be judged on what he did. But the worst thing that I could tell you today is that when your life is over, you're going to be judged based on what you did. That's not good news. And there is no hope in that. But we get to be judged based on what Jesus did if we want to. So you get to choose. I get to choose. Do you want to be judged based on your goodness or Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that knowing that I would not be able to be good enough You sent Jesus to die on the cross. Knowing that I would deserve to be punished for my sins, you sent Jesus to be punished for my sins. Knowing that there was no way for me to do enough good things to have a relationship with you, you sent Jesus to do the good thing that gives me a relationship with you. So God, I pray that today we would stop denying that we're drowning. I pray today that we would stop depending on ourselves. I pray today, God, that we would stop thinking that somehow being judged on our behavior is fair. And that we would recognize that you give us a way to know you, to be saved, and to spend forever with you. In Jesus Christ. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray. We don't pray in ourselves. We don't pray on our own merits. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.